Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today we have Andy Solhoff on the line with us. Uh, he's a partner and the director of operations at, a, at 50 Pound Boston, and that's an e-commerce agency uh, based out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, they're about five years old, and they've helped uh, multiple e-commerce businesses scale from start to high eight-figure sales and exits. Um, it was founded as a pay-for-performance marketing firm. Uh, they can help you scale your e-commerce sales through Amazon and direct-to-consumer with the Shopify uh, store. Um, Andy's also the co-host of the Steve Shriver podcast, and he's a self-described personal growth and business book enthusiast. Um, he's personally coached over 300 CEOs and business leaders to marketing and business success. Um, what we're going to be discussing today is the common biases and how they can impact our personal and professional relationships. But before we get into anything, Andy, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like Leonard, I really appreciate you having me on the call. Um, yeah, like Mike um, Mabias says, uh, partner at uh, 50 Pound Bozen. I've been uh, in marketing agencies for about the last 10 years. And uh, just overall, really important personally to me is to, to help businesses grow. My dad is a small business owner and um, grew up in a relatively small town in Iowa. So I've always just had a really big passion for helping smaller businesses grow. And uh, so over the years, I've uh, just noticed uh, sort of a pattern going along with the companies that I had, had worked for and kind of led me up to, to working with 50 Pound Bozen and, and uh, being an e-commerce marketer here the last about, about five years. Oh, awesome. So you've been doing this for a while. Uh, what were you doing before that? Uh, mostly just a part of different agencies and different roles. I was running um, operations at uh, another marketing agency in, in Cedar Rapids. So helped a, a marketing agency scale from about seven to about 50, just over 50, and led to a successful exit on that, that company. Um, and prior to that was at a, just another agency. So all digital marketing-related so uh, paid ads and um, email marketing, websites, that, that type of thing. Cool. Did you go to school for that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, marketing uh, degree out of undergrad, University of Iowa. Got my MBA in the University of Iowa as well. So business kind of has been uh, you know, a passion of mine for yeah, about the 15, years and 15 years now, basically. Nice. Um when you were like kind of back in school, what made you kind of choose the direction of wanting to go into the world of uh, marketing? Honestly, I, I think um, when I was in business school, there was uh, the American Marketing Association, which was just a student org on campus and became involved in that and took a few uh, professional trips and did internships and things like that and um, went to some marketing agencies and you know, the towards some, some small agencies in particular that just seemed like a lot of fun, you know, you get to wear a lot of different hats, you get to, to be uh, impactful and um, you get to learn a lot about 
to different types of businesses, depending on the agency that you're in. And, and it just really uh, sort of struck a chord with me. So took a job at an agency right out of college and um, spent a little bit of a brief time on the client side, but uh, pretty much I've been in agencies since, since I was in, or since I graduated college. That's pretty awesome. So you kind of uh, have been just in one field your entire life and you kind of master what you do. Say that again, sorry. So you've kind of just been in one field your entire life and uh, put a lot of mastery towards your craft. Yeah, I mean, um, I always like to, to, to think there's a lot more out there to learn, but, you know, um, I have kind of a pretty, pretty high functioning knowledge of, of most things as it relates to digital marketing and um, like I say, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to help some really great uh, customers, CEOs, sort of uh, through their digital marketing journey and help you know, educate them on, you know, how to not only how to think about marketing, but how to uh, help them help their businesses grow using digital marketing and um, using the Internet, basically. Awesome. So um, we're going to be talking more about like common biases today. Can you kind of talk more about what some common biases are that a lot of people really uh, hold or what they kind of perceive and kind of like why you feel these are developed and so forth? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the you know most common biases that I see or sort of group of biases that I see are, are egocentric, egocentric biases, which are... Uh, really the tendency for anyone to rely too heavily on your own perspective and have hold your experience in higher regard than that of others. And it's, you know, it's an interesting, um, you know, at working at an agency, this is something I, that I see a lot. Um, and, you know, as, as I have worked with a lot of different folks, you know, there's a few things that, um, kind of cement some some more uh, egocentric biases and habits in people, and you know, success and, and age being you know chief among those. Uh, so a lot of people usually hold what they personally experience in their own lives at a higher value than what other people experience. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. You know, um, this is you know, the, the common um, sort of story around this would be like, so, uh, you know, you're running your business or whatever, CEO is kind of running the show, have experienced some, some success, maybe is, um, uh, you know, done whatever, and they're managing a team, right? And there will be some type of, you know, disagreement and uh, not maybe necessarily in a bad way or things like that. And, uh, each party in this, uh, you know, uh, in this sort of leadership team uh, is likely to be valuing their own experience over that of everybody else in the group. And so the dynamics of that situation are, you know, sort of unique and, and challenging because, uh, you know, the best interest of the business or the company uh, is going to be dependent on that group's ability to uh, come up with what is the actual best solution and not necessarily uh, any one individual's, um, you know, per perception, right? Because we all bring our different biases into the in experiences and perspectives into the, into the workplace every day. And sometimes those uh, experiences are valuable and sometimes they're maybe not as valuable. 
And so I think this is, for me, has been a, like I say, just working at an agency, I see it all the time, right? As, a, as an external sort of contractor um, and doing digital marketing for as long as I have, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for, uh, you know, me to disagree with one of my clients or to, um, you know, see a different path forward. And so, you know, more or less a big part of my job becomes how to navigate that conversation and, and you know, to, to recognize my bias as I bring, as I, you know, I'm bringing that to the table as well as helping my customer understand their own bias in a, you know, sort of a professional and, and trusting way. So an example of that might be like the chair of a department at a medical organization who would be like uh, going up to like maybe the marketing team that kind of does everything. And they're like, I, I was talking to one of my patients and they said they read my resume on my academic profile and that's why they came to see me. And they said mm-hmm. that they joked about my resume, and I think that re- my resume should be on my clinical profile so people could go out there and visit me. Yep, yep, exactly. So, and, and, you so know, they'll take yep, one experience that kind of happens, and they just assume that's how everyone kind of comes into their funnel, and that's why everyone comes and sees them for whatever their particular uh, services that they offer are. Yeah, exactly. Very common. And, you know, the, the challenging part, you know, becomes really when uh, that, that individual is not sort of open to understanding or, or um, you know, when they kind of hard line on things. If they say, you know, all of our marketing has to rely around, uh, you know, my profile and, and, you know, this one person, this, this is what is everything we need, we need to tell everybody. And so you base everything on that. And, in reality, that may be the case, but there's, you know, umpteen other, you know, there's several other reasons that somebody might come to um, that service provider. And, you know, so then it just becomes about, you know, how do you navigate that conversation? How do you help people uh, understand that, you know, your, your perspective is not the only perspective on this and we need to test and, and see what, what might work. Um, because that's at the end of the day that as coming from a marketing perspective, all we really want is we want to, you know, generate uh, awareness and drive demand for whatever products or services that we're marketing. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a big issue. And um, if you kind of like think about like the landscape about like 99.999999% of doctors, uh, most of them are uh, acquiring their clients through regular marketing channels, physician referrals and other things like that. So the probability of something like uh, someone coming up to you based off your resume is like 0.0001%. And it's kind of interesting how people just take those personal experiences and they kind of tie them that misconception up into believing exactly that that's the most important thing to really go out there and drive success and you you kind of talked about like a lot of challenge uh that uh this kind of impacts personal and professional relationships and so forth um when someone kind of has underlying um perspective like that and they believe that that is the truth like what kind of uh how, how does that kind of impact other things well, I think that the first thing that people need to realize about biases is, is if you're not aware of them, you know, a bias, you're, you're really kind of, you're, you're lying to yourself 
um, and you're by extension, you're lying to other people, right? Uh, so people are very, very uh, in tune or attuned to aware of uh, other people and, and how they are behaving. Um, and so uh, if when you are saying, you know, this, this is the way that we need to do things and it's coming from a, a stance of, you know, a biased perspective, um, that, you know, immediately causes conflict with the other people that you're, that you're around, whether they be personal relationships or professional relationships. And the ultimate goal here is, you know, I mean, for me is, is strong relationships. And um, so how do you, how do you do that? You really just have to uh, identify your biases. I identify where situations where you may be lying to yourself, you know, this isn't, you know, not intentional, right? Like you're not um, going into the situation and say, well, I'm going to lie to myself and sort of, sort of mislead myself. It's just a bias. It's just a, uh, a perspective or a view uh, about a situation or a circumstance that uh, you have an you know, opinion on and uh, that you need to sort of find resolution. And that's ultimately, you know, why I'm you know, so passionate about this is because, um, you know, when most people just by becoming aware that a bias exists, so egocentric bias, you know, I mentioned that, um, but by just becoming aware that it exists, I've become less likely to have that bias in my personal and professional life. Yeah, I can definitely see that. But then let's say someone's like a neurotologist. They've uh, been to med school for about 10 years of their lives. They got board certified and two different specialties. So that took another five years. Uh, they moved all the way up to the ranks of a chair of a particular department. So they, they got like maybe 15 years of like real world life experience. So this person probably thinks that they're pretty smart. They made it to the top of their particular field. They're at the very best. How do you tell someone like that that they're lying to themselves? Well, I mean, the first thing is, is that you don't, uh, you, you really don't, tr don't tell them that they're lying to themselves. <laughs> I think what you have to really do is, is get to the underlying reason and motivation for, for what it is. Um, because what you're sort of referencing there is the overconfidence effect, which is just, you know, an excessive confidence in, in your own ability, your own answers and, and response to things. And again, you know, success, success is not the best teacher. Um, so people who have been successful like that, you know, department chair, um, they likely have gotten to where they are based on how they've made decisions, how they process things. And, you know, some of the biases that they have are the reason why the, why they've been so successful. And so really you know, it, it comes down to, to, you know, building a trusting relationship, um, building a relationship where you can sort of ask the right questions and help that person see, uh, see the situation through a little bit of a different lens and through the, you know, different perspectives that they may not be considering. Cool. Well, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Where could people find you online? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me at uh, 50poundbosun.com uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Andy Stillhoff. Cool. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter and we'll be back after this commercial break. Mm -hmm. 
Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Andy Sohoff. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the different um, uh, biases that people kind of have and uh, the common ones. And we discussed one where people kind of take their own personal real-life experience and value it over others, even if uh, they're not really uh, too particular with that particular field that they're kind of discussing. Uh, we discussed one of them. Uh, Andy, would you like to uh, discuss the second one? Yeah, um, I think the, the next one that I'd like to talk about um, is just, um, it's called a framing effect. So, uh, this is something that's really interesting. It's, it's kind of the tendency to draw different conclusions uh, from the same information or same situation. So uh, I think maybe if you've been in, in the workforce, you probably have been in a meeting and maybe you walked out of the meeting and somebody said, man, that meeting was amazing or that meeting was terrible. And you're like, I, I saw it completely the other way. Um, and I think it's just, it, it's interesting because when you think about the dynamics of, you know, the, the workplace or, you know, in, in, in your personal life, this, this type of thing happens, you know, can happen fairly regularly. And so um, I just like to, like to bring it up as, as one of the ways where, 
um, you know, finding different ways to evaluate the situation to really get at the the root of why uh, somebody would would have different opinions on uh, how the how the situation is uh, uh, sort of plays out. Yeah, I can see that. Like, uh, usually you could go into a meeting. A lot of people will be skeptical, optimistic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they walk out, a lot of people could have completely different viewpoints. Why do you think that is? I think, I think it's uh, partially in, again, it's, it's the perspective and motivation that you bring into that, into that meeting into the first place, right? Um, every... You know, what, what may be good for one group might not be so good for another group. Um, you know, how the information is uh, communicated has a, has a big impact for some people. Uh, some people are very particular with how they want something or, or will uh, hear something, depending on the wording that's used. Um, but I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, Really, the the reason why you might get that contrasting of, of views is because the, the communicator has really maybe not had enough input and enough uh, communication and trust with with each of the parties, so so that they can communicate the message in a way that will be at least as positively received by each party as it can be. Yeah, I can see that. So because of that, like. What what do you think is the way to kind of go and address that? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's like I'm seeing with a lot of my clients or the people that I've I've worked with. Um, you know, it's just growth as a leader and growth as a communicator. And so, in situations, I mean, you may not be able to avoid a situation where. Uh, you're going to have some, you're going to leave a meeting and some, one person is going to be ma- you know, mad and one person is going to be really happy. You may not be uh-huh. able to, to avoid that. At the end of the day, you know, going into that meeting and basically setting the table and building the, the trust of those folks that are going to be in the meeting to make sure that everyone that's in the meeting knows that you have their best interest at the heart and that it's through no other purpose other than, you know, through the, through the growth of the organization. And if you can, as the leader that's, that's having that conversation, if you can, you know, lay the foundation and build a trusting relationship with everybody in the meeting, and, you know, obviously this you know, builds over time, but if you can build that level of trust, uh, you're, you're much less likely to have that, you know, experience where, you know, uh, people just uh, have a lot different, uh, different views on how the meeting went. So do you think a big component of that would be to maybe build relationships with the people before you're going out there and presenting something? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it, it, that's, you know, sort of like I was saying is that I, you know, I've worked with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of businesses uh, over the last 10, 12 years. And, you know, the majority of time, the issue with the business is not, has nothing really to do with their product or service. Uh, it's all to do with their leadership and communication. And, you know, specifically the, what I've seen is that the leaders in the company uh, have some bias that is helping them sort of holding them from holding them back from being successful. And part of the reason these biases are so impactful 
is because they do impact the trust, they heavily impact the level of trust that you can have with your, with your employees, with your, with your coworkers. And uh, that's why it's so important to be aware of them and, and uh, use them to, to, you know, sort of mitigate the impact of those so that you can build that level of trust that you need to be able to run your business successfully. Do you think people focus too strongly on like milestones and objectives and profit margins as opposed to maybe the people within the organization? You know, that can be the case, uh, but not always. I think that, I think that a lot of, a lot of, um, I shouldn't say a lot of this in certain situations, leaders, uh, you know, you have to be authentic and you have to be true to your, true to yourself and true to who you are as a person. And I think if you can understand, you know, what your, what your goals are, why you're, you know, in the business and, and what your, um, what, you know, basically what your goals are and, and why you're going to behave the way that you're going to behave. And you can sort of live that life transparently and, and open with your, with your, uh, customers, that's really all anybody can ask for. But I, what I've really found is that when there is uh, an incongruence between, you know, sort of stated goals and um, actions is when there gets to be, uh, gets to be conflict, right? So if your leader says, you know, um, I believe in, you know, good company culture, and then immediately starts going, um, you know, and, and starts cutting bonuses or things like that, or, you know, cutting benefits, you know, that are, that help company culture. Well, there's a, there's an incongruence there. And that's, that incongruence usually is coming from a bias of some sort. Yeah, I, I could see that, but there's these other sides of things where, um, human beings believe we're being authentic and true to ourselves and being, congruent to who we are and yep. if we hold otherwise most of us wouldn't really believe that because um, a lot of people do believe that they are 100% authentic uh, but I mean others could tell that they might not be but when you're kind of looking at within yourself you kind of don't see that so what, when you're talking about Big like time. going out there and being congruent and so forth and other people just don't recognize that probably because of these biases that you're speaking of, then how, how does that yeah. work? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you're touching on here is the, the bias blind spot for, for one thing, right. Is, um, you know, for your bias blind spot is to, to think that you're less biased than other people. My bias is, is the same, right. As I'm going into the decision, well, I'm not very biased or I'm less biased than the rest of the people here. Well, you know, I just need to, to, to know and live authentically to know that I'm going to be biased. I need to be open to that fact. Um, and then I think in, another thing that you, you've touched on is sort of the illusion of, of transparency. Okay. And, and what that is, is that because you're in your own head and your, your sort of self-talk is going all the time, sometimes it's easy for you to, to overestimate sort of the level of transparency of your goals, of your self-talk to other people. And so if you're not communicating, you know, your, your thoughts, your beliefs, your understanding of, you know, your current reality uh, regularly, 
it's easy for other people in the organization to get, you know, kind of lost in it. And where, to your point, you know, maybe I have said, you know, uh, I said I, was, I agreed with policy A, and then something comes out, and then, you know, two days later, I, I go with policy B. Well, it's, it's easy on both sides of that, right? So I, as a person that's, you know, um, putting out policy B, you know, there's things have changed, right? Now, if I'm on the receiving of that, and I was like, hey, great, policy A, I'm team policy A, and uh, then team, you know, he comes into the meeting and, t- you know, policy B comes out. I'm kind of ticked, right? Like I was all for team policy A. Well, you know, my bias there is maybe I don't have um, all of the information. So this is, you know, um, the illusion of asymmetry, right? Um, so I think I know more than, than my peers. So I, I'm biased because I think I know more when in reality that that's actually not true. So in the earlier situation that you kind of described, you talked about the person who's talking about how important company culture is, but is also at the same time reducing bonuses and so forth. Um, Sometimes outside factors could affect that, like maybe if you have a less profitable year and things like that. So when you kind of put those two situations together, if it's the owner of the company, they might be uh, looking at all the different situations. But if it's like someone who's executing an order based off the owner, then that could be someone who's just following orders. Like, how do you really determine uh, when that person's saying how important one thing is, how the other factors kind of contribute into that situation? Because budget still is important for a company and its survival as well. Oh, 100%. And I think this is, this is sort of a, just a you know, classic situation, right, is that you have in this situation, you probably have an owner who is saying like, maybe they took, they're taking pay cuts, or they're not taking the, the bonuses or, or, or whatever. And they're saying, I'm sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing, and I'm keep doing all these things to keep the, you know, the company and employees, you know, employed and, you know, everybody working and things like that. Whereas the employee is just sitting it on the on the other side saying, you know, hey, you know, this is, you know, from, from their perspective, they're just not seeing this, this, uh, that the, you know, the uh, stated beliefs and behaviors are, are being congruent as it relates to that, that company culture. And I think it all, you know, this is, the, this is, you know, the prime situation of being able to, to communicate, to make sure that um, people have the, the information that, that they need. And, it's tough when some of this information may be, uh, you know, uh, difficult to swallow or, or, um, you know, sensitive in nature, right? Like, um, you know, to, to share information around, uh, income or, or things like that, uh, is not something that, that can easily be shared. But at the end of the day, this, this is where you have to acknowledge the, you know, the, the bias or the blind spot that you have. Um, and to be able to uh, understand the perspective of as many people who are um, party to the conversation or impacted by the conversation so that you can be able to communicate and lead effectively. 
Yeah, I can see that. And sometimes that blind spot that you're ta- talking about, like maybe in the person who's making that decision in their mind, they don't see how the bonus or the pay or whatever it may be could affect the other side or the culture side because they're thinking of each thing myopically. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's the best way to get around these blind spots? So the whole reason I love of these biases, like I said, is that is for more people to be aware of them. If you are the leader in your company to be aware of the different uh, biases that are out there. So I'd encourage people to go in and even just read them, you know, you know, search for articles online um, and just become aware of them. And if you're on the, you know, uh, you know, front line, if you're on the employee side of things, it's the same type of thing is, is to, to get this perspective, go read about them, learn about how you can be biased, and then just accept every day that you are biased, that, that the other person that you're talking to is talking to is going to be biased. And that's through nobody's fault of their own. That's, that's kind of how we get through life. Uh, but to be able to just educate your, yourself and then be able to be um, emotionally intelligent enough and be able to be uh, clear and transparent in your communication so that you're able to uh, communicate with that person when you think that uh, their bias is, is uh, showing or it's impacting not only you, but maybe, maybe your company or your, or your family. Cool. Well, it's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Where can people find you online? Yeah, you can uh, check me out on, on Twitter at Andy, at Andy Solhoff. Cool, and you can uh, find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized, best selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Class. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Andy Sohoff, and we've been talking a lot about different biases. We covered about three so far. The last one we talked about was blind spots and not really being able to see that big picture of different things that are going on because we're so consumed in the direction that we're going in. And of course, like the more biases that we have, the more detrimental it kind of really becomes to um, us, our careers, our businesses, our jobs, whatever it is that we're working with, and our interpersonal relationships, especially with that example of all the different people who go into a meeting, like, um, how, how frustrating would it be just to have a meeting, and then having people coming out with, like, eight different opinions of what happened from that situation, it's like, how are you going to really get that buy-in to really get people to move forward with you, or to go into a forward direction, and even if you go out there and execute one particular way, there's going to be a lot of people who are unhappy with that, so then it causes all this in turmoil within organizations and so forth and by recognizing a lot of these biases you're able to go out there and help move past a lot of these things that kind of happen so then you could have a more smooth sailing career business interpersonal relationships with the community or uh, the people that you're working with and it kind of just makes life a little bit more convenient um what are some other biases that you wanted to kind of cover yeah i think one of the the biggest um biases or biggest, you know, challenges with, with anybody is, is the, the ability to accurately self-assess. And again, when you're in a room, there's, everybody is assessing a situation going to be differently or, or, um, and they're going to have their own perspective on things, but your ability to be able to assess yourself and your standing amongst your peers or, or your, um, direct reports or things like that is incredibly, incredibly important. And so I'd like to talk about a, a few of the, the different self-assessment biases that, that uh, are, are important and um, that I think are, are impactful in, in the workplace today. Cool. Uh, why, why don't you talk more about that? Yeah, sounds good. So um, I think there's, um, there's different names for it, but it's essentially, it's an, it's an empathy gap or it's, uh, it's a inability to see, you know, from the perspective of, you know, somebody else's perspective and understand how the, uh, visceral drives, uh, uh, someone else's attitude or, or their preference or behavior. So, you know, the visceral, uh, drives are your, uh, physiological needs. So, uh, you know, sort of safety and love and belonging, esteem, you know, um, shelter, those types of things. And I think it's really, uh, easy for somebody who may not, uh, maybe more of a detail oriented person, uh, as opposed to a people oriented person, uh, to just misunderstand or, or, or miss, um, sort of apply value or, or to how those feelings of belonging 
how those uh, physiological needs can impact how you feel about a about a given situation. I kind of like what you mentioned about empathy earlier and how it's uh, a lot of people are kind of missing that. Uh, empathy is a really hard skill to develop. It's not something that comes easily to a lot of people. And I know there's people out there like Brene Brown and others who are kind of experts on the topic and they're really in tune with not just who they are, but with what's kind of going on around them and putting themselves into other people's shoes and going, oh, if I was this person, what would I be thinking in this particular situation? But to kind of get to that level where you're able to do that, uh, it's just not something that a lot of people can do easily. Uh, would you say it takes a lot of work to do it? Oh, you know, absolutely. I think, I think it, the, first of all, it, it takes an acceptance that people, other people are going to be uh, at different sort of ends of the spectrum on how much uh, 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 empathy that you, that you need and how much awareness, because, you know, some people uh, are, very much, you know, it's like, this is, this is kind of the, the, the way that it is. Um, you know, I'll give you a, uh, for instance, a kind of an interesting one. My, uh, last, you know, last night I was giving my son a, son a bath and, uh, he had, has all of his toys. He's four years old. He, um, had all of his toys out. He had spent time, you know, building this out. And I came in and I said, you know, Hey, you know, it's time to clean up the, you know, the bath and, um, pick up your toys and all that kind of stuff. And he just, he just lost it. He, he, was, he didn't, um, he just wanted to, to, to leave his toys or he had worked really hard. And my wife said, well, you didn't have any empathy. You didn't have any acknowledge all the work that he had put into, you know, this and how would you feel if this had sort of, sort of happened to you? And um, I think, you know, it's, it's, a, you know, a simplified example, but, you can see all the different implications of this in in the workplace because people take pride in the work that they do by and large. Right. And if you are not aware of how your behavior and the decisions that you're making are going to have on the work that they're bringing to the table, uh, that's going to be, that can cause some, some pretty significant conflict, whether that conflict surfaces right away or it, you know, sort of delays, you know, we obviously would depend on that person's conflict style, but um, I love that you brought up Brene Brown as well, because one of the, you know, the greatest, you know, sort of, uh, sort of, I don't think I call it a coping mechanism, but, but a, a way of, of thinking about this is it's, it uses the, the statement of the, the story that I tell myself is blank, you know? Um, and so that helps sort of distance yourself from, the, uh, from the decision that was made. Right. So, um, if my son was, was in the situation, uh, he might say the story that I tell myself is that my dad doesn't care about the hard work that I put in and he just, you know, just ruined my, my hopes and dreams or whatever. And, uh, so it's, it's from that perspective, if you can put yourself in the other person's shoes enough to even sort of theorize what they might be thinking and, and, um, you know, have the story that they're telling themselves, that is a great, great way to just give yourself a little bit more empathy to what's going on in the situation. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, I could picture me being your son, and let's say I was, like, playing with, like, Legos or, like, cards and some stuff, and I was, like, putting them all together, and you're like, go and clean all this up. I would be like, I'm building my empire. You're destroying my empire I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> you know Absolutely. How much and 
to this empire? You yeah. want me to just toss it onto the side? <laughs> oh man, and you know, in the workplace, it's, it's even more common, right? Because um, people are putting together, you know, reports or um, strategies and recommendations, and you know, um, if you're not careful with how you um, you know, handle the situation. You know, I've had clients of mine bring, you know, creative, maybe it's a, a banner ad or, or an image or copy or ideas for marketing campaigns and things like that. And, you know, <laughs> with, without the ability to be sensitive to their needs and their um, perception on the situation, um, it could, you know, can go very, very poorly just because, uh, you know, people get tied up. They're, like I say, they're proud of their work. They uh, believe again that they're, that what they're doing, this is, um, you know, another, uh, another bias is, you know, the superiority uh, sort of biases, right? That what I'm bringing to the table is better than everybody else's. And so uh, when you come in with that bias, uh, and you think that what you're doing is better than everybody else's. And in reality, it's not because just that's the way the na- nature of, the, of things, right? Um, that can cause, you know, tremendous conflict. And in the client um, agency um, sort of dynamic, you know, those, those situations have to be handled very delicately because the last thing you want to do is, is uh, make somebody angry or feel like that you don't value their, their inputs because, you add the agency, you absolutely need client input and, and uh, collaboration to be successful. And you just want to make sure that everybody's finding the right roles so that they can, you know, contribute as much as possible and everybody can be as successful as possible. Yeah, a lot of people like to give feedback that's pretty direct and they're like, change this, uh, move this over here, do this, do that, do that, do that. And when giving feedback in that type of format, it's usually not taking into acknowledgement all the great things that they did already and putting the other person's uh, thoughts into place to um, exemplify what they already succeeded at at the very beginning. And because of that, a lot of people just feel discouraged and whatnot because of the changes that they have to make because in their minds, it's um, as close to 100 as possible. Yeah, yeah. And um, marketing is an interesting one, right? Like, if, if you're in finance and you're trying to figure out taxes and what's the best way to deal with taxes, there's 90% of the population can't really have an opinion on that, right? You have to be pretty sophisticated and, and pretty aware of tax code and all that type of stuff. But marketing is, is in some people's minds, it's uh, subjective, right? Um, and in, in, case, in a lot of cases, it, it can be. <laughs> it, it can yeah. be, but really. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference if it's, you know, my image or the client's image or whatever. I'll kind of test whatever, you know, um, unless there's, you know, <laughs> regulatory or some other, you know, larger impact of things. But um, at the end of the day, you know, that's the beauty of digital marketing, digital advertising is that you can test so many different uh, creatives and ways of doing things. And you can actually see because, I, you know, if you've been in digital marketing, you have, you know, run an ad or something that you thought was absolutely going to flop and it is your most successful ad creative and, and vice versa, right? You, you've 
you know, put a lot of work into something and you think it's just the greatest thing, again, another bias. Um, and then that completely flops and that happens all the time. And, you know, this sort of illusion that you have control of the outputs because you are controlling the inputs is another sort of, you know, uh, unrealistic and, and, uh, it's another bias that uh, that people have is that you know that you're you have uh, you know more control of the outputs than you actually do. Yeah, and the other side of it is people have uh, biases within their particular area. Like for example, marketing. There's top of funnel. There's middle funnel. There's bottom funnel. And a bottom of funnel marketer would say, this thing's absolutely amazing. But then you go and stick what uh, the bottom of funnel marketer puts up onto an ad and your click-through rate might be like two bucks, five bucks, eight bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something like that. Then you go with the top of the funnel marketer and their click-through rate might be like eight cents, 20 cents, 30 cents, 40, 50 cents. But then that's just one yep. small equation. And then when you kind of combine all the different elements together and take a holistic approach, then you kind of get the bigger picture of everything. So it's always different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if just like understanding and being aware is, again, is just the most important thing because you may not realize that you have a bias or you that you have, um, you know, something that's influencing your the way that you're behaving. Um, but they do. And again, the more self-awareness that you can have, uh, to, um, to basically make sure that the reality that you're living is as in line with the reality that everyone else on your team is living. And, you know, that's, that's at the end of the day, the, the sort of the gold standard, because you want to make sure that everybody is on the same page as much as possible in terms of roles and performance and results. And, Again, if those if those biases are, you know, holding you back from being the type of leader that you need to be, really the only way that you can can get past those is to just become more aware, aware and more uh, empathetic to to other people, and and make sure that you're 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 leading with as little bias as possible. Cool. So you mentioned earlier one way to go and overcome bias is to go and discover what all the biases are. Do you have like maybe one or two other ways to kind of go about that and to kind of get more in tune with who you are? You know, I think um, the personality assessments that are out there, I, I highly encourage people, if you can, to understand, uh, you know, your personality as much as possible, whether that's taking like a DISC profile or the colors or training or things like that. So understanding sort of who you are. Uh, another one is understanding your conflict style because there's aggressive conflict styles and passive conflict styles and the way that you deal with conflict and understanding that about your team because um, those will obviously have an impact as well. Um, but I, I really do. You know, if, if you're, if you're as, as self-aware as possible, you're understanding, you know, uh, situations where um, – you know, your, how your personality is going to behave uh, or you're going to react to different situations. I think that's what you can do. Um, another one, there's a, a positive intelligence um, quiz out there that's free that you can take that uh, kind of helps you understand your saboteurs. Uh, so um, if you I think it's uh, positiveintelligence.com, uh, I think is the, the website that you can take those, those assessments. But re at the end of the day, it's, 
um, understanding who you are and learning more about your biases. And to really go out there and nail down the authenticity side of things, because we all think we're authentic, but we, uh, not, not really many of us really are. Like, if you think about it, you're a different way at work than you were at home with your family and maybe with your mother or father. You're a different type of person compared to how you are with uh, maybe if you have kids or something compared to your friends and so forth. And um, it's okay to kind of be like that, but to really discover who you truly are, uh, one of the best resources for that would probably be uh, my book because it really goes out there and kind of shows you exactly who you are from different perspectives. And through the process of going out there and building a personal brand, you're uh, given all these like worksheets and all these different tools to really work with to really go out there and discover those stories about yourself, to really find and discover who you truly are. Because what a personal brand really is, it's the intersection between how you see yourself and how others see you. But now we don't really know how others see us until we go and dive deep into who we are ourselves. And uh, the book has tons of resources, eight different steps, has uh, different research from all these different places. Kind of showcases the success of what truly happens when you discover that authenticity and you figure out exactly who you are and what kind of results kind of come from that. Anyways, um, if people want to find you online, where th- where can they go and find you, Andy? Yeah, at best place is just Twitter, at Andy Solhoff. Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And uh, thank you once again for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.